This week on the Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln podcast, we are going to talk about Lincoln's mic drop moments. Now, now, now. Not five, not four, not two, just three. The Rail Splitter, axe in hand, looking out at a frontier of hope and possibility. In action. Party on, dudes! Welcome to the Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln podcast. My name is Jeremy. With me is Rail Splitter Mary. Hey, everybody. And Rail Splitter Nick. What's going on? Feel so lonely over here. <laughs> yeah, for those of you listening, this is the first time that we're recording in three separate locations. Uh, for the simple fact that I had enough time this afternoon to set everything up to try it this way. So in the event that we're stranded on desert islands that have good Wi-Fi, we now know we're able to record. So Yeah, I know. This is weird. I don't know how you do this all the time, Mary. <laughs> she can get yeah. used to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, how's everybody's holiday? We're kind of still recovering here at, at our household. Everybody, uh, you guys have a good holiday? Yeah, I did. I um, it was nice and quiet. I got some reading done of a Mary Lincoln biography on Christmas morning for a while. Um, spent some time with both, like you know, my partner's family and then my family, and it was it was quiet. It was nice. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, I had a good time. You know, got together with my crazy family. Uh, got some, you know, some Lincoln Bill's Head merch. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then uh, we don't want to, we don't want any spoilers though, so stay tuned. There might be a little bit more on that at the end of the show. And then uh, the kitchen ceiling leaked at me last night, so we were dealing with that all day today. So. Wow, that really sucks. Uh, yeah, so cutting holes in the hall, uh, the ceiling. We found it though. I you know I make it sound like I was doing it. I was not. It, it was a plumber, <laughs> uh, but I was there every step of the way with them. <laughs> So, right there, over their shoulders, watch. watching it. Yeah. I've learned some things, you know. And then, yeah, we got to figure it out, though, so that's good news. So, so you had a leak in your ceiling, but the bottom was not out of the tub, as Lincoln said in 1862. <laughs> good one. That That is true. Good one. It almost seems like I set that on a tee for you. It almost does. It almost does. So yep. um, we'll jump right into some Lincoln-related uh, issues in the news. Uh, why don't you guys go ahead. Uh, Nick, you did the show notes, uh, so why don't you take it away with uh, the current events in Lincoln? Uh, yeah, I found one. I was just kind of had some time on my hands last night uh, or two nights ago. And I came across an article for a new artifact that the museum picked up, um, Dr. Cornelius has and the artifact is a tad lincoln horsehair ring so um yeah basically they got a hold of this uh mary i know you tweeted out um some about this too so i don't know if you want to jump in um give some of your thoughts yeah i thought it was um, um pretty cool um basically the the article that you linked to nick says that um it was a ring that is woven with um like the horsehair from one of Tad's horses. And it's it's kind of a really sweet story behind it. He gave it to um, a woman named Catherine, quite possibly as a farewell when he and his mother left Washington after his father had been assassinated. And I guess this woman named Catherine 
um, she was married to a union officer and she became quite friendly with Tad. So I thought there's a really sweet story behind it. And it's, I think it's going to be on display at the museum early next year. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool too. Um, and they did uh, tweet out or Facebook and Instagram, all social media had um, a photograph of it and it's, um, it's pretty cool. Um, and I don't know if that's like, if that was like a traditional thing to do um, in the mid 19th century or, or mm -hmm. what, but um uh, if your significant other is a Lincoln fan, you could save yourself a bunch of money and make a horsehair ring uh, far, far more economic than platinum, gold, or silver. So, um, no, but I thought that was kind of cool that um, it was in really, really, it appears to be in very good shape. Um, mm -hmm. Not a whole lot of yeah. decay or anything. I'm looking so. at it right now. It looks really good shape, actually. Yeah, so I, it it's kind of struck me as the, the whoever received it must have immediately recognized that this is a very cool and going to be a historic item and took pretty good care of it and uh, must have kept it in the family. And then it made its way mm -hmm. to where it belongs, which is in the Abraham Lincoln collection. So uh, pretty exciting. And I'm looking forward to uh, going to Springfield to check that out. Yeah, definitely. You know, it doesn't get better than I'm going to, I've already started saving my cat's hair for uh, when he dies. And then, <laughs> And then you know, maybe, maybe I'll ask Kira to to marry me with that cat uh, hair ring. So. That, that would be something. That would be a ring. Yeah. And then, then, yeah. my, then my allergies to your cat could extend to your significant other. That would be. Uh, that would be. Uh, I'll start sneezing every time I uh, every time I see her. Good, because I saw the way you looked at her last time. Might need that. No, I'm just joking. Uh, the cat. I hope you're talking about the cat. I'm not a cat person. I don't like cats. That's that's one thing Lincoln and I differ on. I do not like cats. <laughs> Well, yeah, and, uh, you know, this is kind of a fitting story, too, because of all the animals, and Tad loved his animals, too, and the Lincolns, uh, you know, at the White House, and we've talked about that a couple times. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, just something I ran across that was kind of interesting. So, um, you know, we always like to do something with some current news. Uh, another article I saw, um, I came across, Lincoln's Boyhood Home in Indiana uh, you could go there starting in January for free. It's my favorite price. Is, so look at that. That is so, that's really awesome. So all you got to do is save up some of your pet hair <laughs> and then you can go to Lincoln's boyhood home. And then right there, you got yourself a cheap date. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, I have not been to the, to that boyhood home. Uh, I actually haven't been to any boyhood homes. You know, the closest thing was New Salem. Uh, he was he was grown at that point. Um, the home is believed to be on this the original spot. It's obviously a recreation. I don't think the home survived uh, the years um, after Abraham Lincoln had left. Uh, but nonetheless, it's um, you know it's a pretty cool place to check out, and now you can do so for free in Spencer County, Indiana. So road hear, trip. That's right. Yeah, when you hear more and more about. Um, uh, places like that either closing or you know having a real hard time financially it's good to hear that there's um, a way to see it for free so that's uh, mm -hmm. that was a pretty cool story so if I'm ever in the neighborhood I will definitely check it out all right well no, I... uh, the topic for this week is Lincoln's mic drop moments so um, for those of you familiar with mic drops that's basically when you get a you know you kind of make a point so completely that you just drop the mic and walk off the stage um kind of a hip-hop thing i think right i don't know what some famous mic drops are but uh i do know that president obama 
I believe, was the first president to literally drop a microphone. Um, at his last White House Correspondents' Dinner, he said, Obama out, and dropped, dropped the mic, which uh, <laughs> I thought was pretty cool. Although he picked up an additional microphone because the microphone he was speaking into was on a podium. So he didn't actually drop the mic he was speaking into, but we'll, we'll still count that as a mic drop. Uh, but uh, we I, tried. I will not count that. Okay. You got you to be like, bam, mic drop. It's got, you got to <laughs> hear the awkward uh, clunking sound on all the speakers. and. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I Sometimes count it. WWE, it happens. The mic drop, and then you hear like the thud that hits the ground. So I might do that. With my last mic drop here. I was and thinking about that. The, the microphone I'm currently using was it was a holiday gift from uh, from great grandma Phyllis actually, who lives in Springfield. So if I sound good or bad, it is because of the uh, the gift that great grandma gave me for my podcasting needs, which was pretty cool. Oh, so that's nice. Um, yeah. So shout out to grandma. That's right. Yep, great grandma from uh, she's a World War II wife and uh, yeah, great lady. She's Ninety. Two. Oh. Two years old. Yeah. She is a great lady. I could suck at that. Mm-hmm. I, I've met her. I ate dinner at her table. That awesome. is true. And we, yeah, we looked through uh, her her late husband's World War II documents. It was pretty cool. Um, wow. That was the weekend that the rail splitters took uh, took Springfield before Mary was on the team. So um, hopefully next time we'll have a full a full complement of rail splitters mm-hmm. when we head down. So all right, well, who wants to start with their chosen mic drops? Done by Abraham Lincoln. Megaphone drops, maybe. I think. Could you say? I think Nick Nick should start because he was so awesome and did the show notes. All right, let's do it. What do you got, Nick? Give us a mic drop. All right, my mic drop one. Check mic drop check. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the first one is comes courtesy of Carl Sandberg's Lincoln bio. Uh, basically, we talked many times about Lincoln and his wrestling escapades. Um, and according to Sandberg's bio, um, he was, you know, partaking in one of these fights, hip tossed his opponent, looked at the crowd and goes, I'm the big buck of this lick. If any of you want to try it, come on and wet your horns. Wow. Bam! Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like very much a wrestling mic drop, like literally a wrestling mic drop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just thought I'd start with a little light humor. Came across that one. Thought it was, uh, you know, kind of fitting fun. Um, so, yeah. And then kind of fits in with the topic we've talked about many times is Lincoln and his wrestling ones. So we'll go easy to start this off, the transition, you all. So Nick's first submission is, I'm the big buck of this lick. If any of you want to try it, come on and wet your horns. That's uh Mic drop. Yeah, I believe, awesome. I believe, you know, and it's interesting. I think one of mine that we'll get to later kind of has a similar, similar feel where he's calling people out and saying, you know, if you, if you want, if you're going to make this claim, put your money where your mouth is mm-hmm. uh, very much a mic drop. Um, unless someone then just like, you know, calls your bluff and comes at you. But knowing his wrestling prowess, I don't think that that was, uh, that was a huge risk of his. And clearly he, uh, Nobody came in and wet their horns. I think they all probably just went their merry way. Agreed. All right, you don't mess. What do you got for the second mic drop? Okay, um, so mine is more serious, but I do have some funnier. I do have some more lighthearted ones too. But um, so mine is: the time has come when these sentiments should be uttered, and if it is decreed I shall go down because of this speech, then let me go down linked to the truth. 
let me die in the advocacy of what is just and right. And I was originally going to use the House Divided, um, part of the House Divided speech for my first mic drop, but I came across this in my research and it just hit me more. Like, um, so to set this up, the night before he gave his House Divided speech in Springfield in 1858, he read his speech to a few of his friends and their reaction was one of, you can't do this, it's too radical, like we're gonna lose votes, party members, like it, this can't be said yet. And what they were referring to specifically, I think was a house divided against itself cannot stand. I believe this government cannot endure permanently half slave and half free. The line that I think anyone who's in the Lincoln would, would know. Um, but anyway, Herndon was one of the only ones that didn't speak out against him. And he said, well, it is radical, but I think you should do it. And after he read the speech, Lincoln was, was he apparently is said to have spoken these words. The time has come when these sentiments should be uttered. So um, I think it was a mic drop moment because he's standing his ground on the issue of slavery. I think this is when he's really beginning to stand his ground public, publicly on it. Um, and in White's bio, um, which is where I came across this, this statement, um, White states that, like, by this point, like, Lincoln wasn't going to listen to his friends. You know, he, he, val he I think he still valued their opinion and wanted to know what they thought, but he had learned to trust his own judgment by this point. And I just kind of, when I was researching this, I was trying to picture in my mind how the room probably went silent when you said that. You know, just that I'm still going to say the speech as it is. So that's my mic drop moment right there. Yeah, and I think that's a great choice. And I think that um, there has to be a bit of um, audacity to any mic drop, right? You can't just say, like, mm -hmm. I'm going to take the middle road here and try to skate by as a moderate and then drop the microphone. That doesn't really work. That's not yeah. what a mic drop is. Um, so him, and I think that gets lost a lot. I think of the um, audacity of the House Divided speech, I think, is um, sometimes overlooked. Um, because Illinois was very much, I mean, I don't even know if you'd classify it as a swing state. I mean, it was democratic leaning, mm -hmm. um, in that time. Um, and at that time Lincoln was a Whig, um, but there were pockets, um, that were Whig friendly. Um, but for the most part, it was a democratic state, um, in a period of transition. Um, and as more people, I think, moved to the state and, and the small towns became, um, cities and um, more people moved uh, out west i think it changed but at that time it was very much a, a pro-slavery um democratic stronghold uh so yeah i agree mary that was um he was definitely going out there and his defense of it um in that quote specifically um saying that i'd rather die um being right and just than being yeah. wrong you know um is one, I think, shows the audacity of that particular speech, uh, and two, shows Lincoln's resolve in doing what is right. Um, yeah. However and, many missteps he had along the way, you know, I do think that that he was, you know, his mind was clear and his eyes were on the prize. Yeah, and I, I liked it, too, because it, it's more of a behind-the-scenes moment of what went on before he gave the speech with his friends, and I thought, well, that's just as bold as what he said in his speech to the public. You know, and it's sometimes these little behind the scenes moments that, um, you know, can become mic drop moments in, in the history of Abraham Lincoln. Right. Right. For sure. For sure. Um, cool. All right. Well, uh, if we'll move on to one of my mic drop lines that Lincoln had, 
Um, when looking through Lincoln's correspondence with McClellan, basically it's a series of mic drop moments where the <laughs> audience really didn't understand that the mic had just been dropped. You know, it's a lot of like, you know, he'll say something and reading back on it, you're like, oh man, he let, he let him have it. And then you look at what McClellan's reaction was and it's like, but he still just was McClellan being McClellan, right? He wasn't going to change for anything. Um, so I just picked one of many um, that he called McClellan out on. He says, uh, this is in writing, you remember my speaking to you of what I called your overcautious, your overcautiousness. Are you not overcautious when you assume that you cannot do what the enemy is constantly doing? Should you not claim to be at least his equal in prowess and act upon the claim? So basically what he's saying is, you continue to be overcautious, uh, but he's pointing out that the enemy continues to beat you. Um, so you can't claim to be, um, you know, to claim to have all of these problems and also claim to be his enemy's equal at the same time because they continue to best him. Um, and he's claiming that he's just being overcautious. So I think it was a nice way to make two arguments at the same time. One, the overcautiousness mm -hmm. is ridiculous. And two, you're getting beat by the enemy day in and day out, and that's a problem. No, yeah, I mean, Lincoln and McClellan, their, their dialogue back and forth is rather entertaining. McClellan, you could probably argue had a couple buck drops on Lincoln yeah. himself, so. Yeah, um, but it's a But they were always kind of like behind his back to his wife, like, like you leave the room, you know, like the big guy leaves the room. You're like, yeah, yeah. that's what I thought. Where you at? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And his private correspondence to his to his spouse, I don't think that counts as a mic drop, because you tend True. not to have a microphone when you're talking to one other person in private. Well, McCle McClellan might have. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah I'm sure he had a <laughs> pedestal for himself to stand on and everything else. Humility was not one of his virtues. No. Nope. <laughs> All right, Nick. I think we're back to you. Uh, well, I'll skip down to my mic drop three. We'll just keep with the McClellan uh, round here. Um, so I chose the quote, if General McClellan isn't going to use his army, I like to borrow it for a time. And I kind of feel like, you know, as a high school teacher, that's one in the class. You're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's so slow. <laughs> Never goes anywhere. So, um <laughs> You know, that's one of the more famous ones, too. So I had to make sure I included the mic drop on McClellan yeah. because there's just so many um, good ones. So that's the one I went with and chose. Just kind of simple and straight. It kind of just reminded me of that classic, like, oh, moment. Yeah, that's one of my that's one of my favorite ones when he says that. He can borrow the army. Agreed. Agreed. I always think of that. The, there's that meme where the kid must have made a made a wicked burn and all the other kids just kind of go crazy and he just kind of stands yeah. there like this is exactly what i picture when lincoln says you know i'd like to borrow the army for a while if you're not going to use it yeah. <laughs> um you know these hundred you know hundred and hundred and a quarter thousand people who are trained to go into combat so great choice nick so is it back to me i believe yep. it is oh, okay well we're gonna stick with general mcclellan um, so uh, the, the line is that is general McClellan's bodyguard. Um, and this was when Lincoln was visiting Sharpsburg in October of 1862. So a few weeks after the battle of Antietam and, um, Ozias M. Hatch is there and he's the secretary, secretary of state for Illinois. 
and they're out for a walk one morning and they're looking over where all the tents are where the the army of the potomac is camped and lincoln says who do you who do you suppose all those people are and hatch says well that's the army and lincoln's right no you're wrong and hatch i just imagine him kind of standing there like what is this guy talking about and lincoln just says like and hatch described it as being kind of sarcastic and yet melancholy like that is general mcclellan's bodyguard <laughs> just <laughs> that's good that is pretty good that's pretty good yeah there's 125,000 soldiers there to protect yeah. little mac and little mac's reputation um yeah. Man, you know, I feel like we're really hating on McClellan, and I feel like it's totally justified, so I'm fine with it. <laughs> oh, we're definitely hating on uh, yeah. Little Mac Daddy. Yeah, no, that's, I think those two kind of combined are, like, really great examples of, like, the the, the classic Lincoln one-liner, uh, the one-line burn that just kind of, it's pretty searing, especially when, you know, Secretary of State of Illinois is probably expecting a fairly formal conversation with the President of the United States. And he makes such a flippant but sharp comment. I thought it was yeah. it was brilliant. Yeah. So um, my uh, next one, actually my next two, but my next one for right now um, is a very crafty and witty uh, line that Lincoln used, and I believe it's a mic drop moment, about abolition and about slavery. Um, and this is one of my favorites. Um, the line is... Well, I have often said that all men ought to be free, yet I would allow those color persons to be slaves who want to be free, and next to them, next to them, those white persons who argue in favor of making other people slaves. I am in favor of giving an opportunity to such white men to try it on for themselves. Uh, so this is a great uh, example of saying, like, and pointing out that um, that argument that it's actually good for, you know, the slavery was somehow creating some sort of benefit for the slave. Um, basically him saying like, okay, let's, if that were true, let's assume that that were true for the sake of argument. Mm -hmm. Why don't you go ahead and do it? If it's going to benefit people, why don't you do it? Uh, which is of course absurd. And the whole argument is absurd that slavery was somehow benefiting the slaves in any way. Um, but, um, that's just a way of pointing it out as opposed to just listing the reasons why it's clearly, clearly wasn't a benefit for any person who was enslaved. Um, and said to say like, oh, okay, that's fine. Why don't you do it then? Um, mm -hmm. Which, of course, you know, I'm, I can just picture these so-called Southern gentlemen just scoffing like, oh, you know, like, you know, how they, of course they would never, you know, be a slave. And it really harkens back to a very early line of Lincoln's uh, where he said, like, as I would not be a slave, I would also then not be a slave owner. And it's paraphrasing, but yeah. something very similar to that, um, saying mm -hmm. as, you know, as I wouldn't be a slave, I would then not own slaves um, because those are not, in his mind, those that, that made it uh, just a morally unequal thing to do. Um, I, but I, I thought that that was a way, a great way of shooting down that argument by just saying, okay, you do it. Yep. Yeah, no, that's an excellent one, Jeremy. That's really good. Agreed. Very well done. We are smashing microphones today yeah. <laughs> on the Real Splitter Podcast. Yeah. All right, Nick, I think you're up. All right. Um, I came across this while reading the Lincoln biography, um, and it kind of deals with General-in-Chief Henry Halleck. Um, you know, Lincoln, as we talked about here with McClellan, he has some problems with this, you know, uh, get McClellan and McDowell, um, you know, to move in a timely manner. 
Um, so I think he thought if he brought in Henry Halleck, who was pretty well regarded at that time, that would help, um, you know, kind of coordinate and lead to some aggressive actions from the generals. Um, but Henry Halleck and Lincoln didn't, you know, I don't think had the best relationship and it didn't go as planned at all. So I came across this quote. Um, basically, he was hoping that Halleck could provide some guidance um, and some help uh, with Burnside. Basically, Burnside was coming up with a plan, and he was looking for Halleck to actually give an opinion on it, which Halleck often refused to do. So I think his train of thought is he didn't want to intervene with these generals who were in the field by somebody who wasn't and give that, but it also frustrated Lincoln. So the quote is, if in such a difficulty as this is you do not help, you failed me precisely in the point for which I sought your assistance. Your military skill, skill is useless to me if you will not do this. Wow. So, I mean, that, that's the pretty uh, stern language there. Basically saying, you're just a piece of shit if you don't yeah. get this done. I mean, so I, I found that. I was reading that. I knew this episode was coming up, and I was just like, oh, dang, this is great. I was actually in bed. So I made sure to like take a snapshot on my phone, so so I didn't wake up Kira, um, and then so I would have it for later in the day um, when I put the notes together. So um, came across, and I was just like, "Man, this is some mad trash talk right here." Yeah, that that was it was funny. That was actually one I had as one of my mic drops. But when you sent out the show notes, it, I just thought it was so funny how we had the same one. But yeah, when I was, yeah, was re- researching on Friday night, I came across that. I'm like, "Oh, that is such a like." Like, just cut it and do what you are required to do for me. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of the whole frustration. And, I, you know, I think there's almost a little bit of um, the, the line about I'd like to borrow it for a while. Like, I almost think that there's a little bit of, like, feeling in Lincoln. Like, can, maybe, can I just do this? Like, if no one else is going to actually do anything, yeah. can, you know, like, yeah. who can I get, who, you know, who do I have to, you know, bribe, murder, whatever to – get someone to actually do something yeah. that's productive, especially early in the war. Um, and I think that that's where, um, you know, obviously all of this stuff is, is our path to Lincoln Grant Sherman's um, ultimate conclusion of the war. These yeah. are these, all of these hurdles and, and trips and all that other stuff that he stumbles and all that, that kind of stuff is, is just the path toward, finding the right people, but, um, it is fun to kind of note the frustration mm-hmm. that goes into, into that journey. Um, yeah. well, it's I, considerable. Yeah. I liked it for those reasons too. I mean, it definitely shows like, you know, Lincoln had moments of complete frustration and he also had a quick witted of a tongue to where he could, he could slice you hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's that story where basically he goes after somebody in Springfield, uh, that ultimately led to him crying and, um, mm-hmm. You know, so he he had those moments where he could go at you hard, um, and I just think that's kind of one of those examples. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and you have to wonder how he he seemed like an incredibly patient man. You have to wonder how long before he just kind of broke and wrote. Well, not really broke, but just like wrote that. Like what had to happen because, like when I read about McClellan and Halleck and you know Pope and I just think I'm like I would have lost. I would have lost it long before he did on them. Yeah. And I think part of it was looking, uh, you know, kind of like looking at the bench and not really seeing at that time anyway, at least in 1862, yeah. certainly before Shiloh, um, looking at that bench and being like, uh, you know, yeah, I can't do this. And then I do think that there was also an element of uh, Grant being so successful in the West, mm-hmm. um, 
can I, can you afford to sacrifice that success in the West to bring him into Virginia? Um, yeah. And that was a risk for sure. I mean, the West was fairly well won, I think, by the time he actually made that decision. But I think part of that delay after Shiloh uh, with Sherman and Grant was, um, you know, and we and this happens – all over the place in real life, like, man, you know, we'd love to promote these people, but they do, <laughs> they're so good at what they do now. Yeah, exactly. You know, how are we going to get by with someone else doing that job? Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think there may have been an element of that, but um, ultimately, you know, you get, you had to. I love the bench analogy you use, especially as a former basketball coach. I think that kind of helped it with McClellan. It's like you pull the kid out of the game and you're like, damn it, who's going to bring the ball up to court? And then he's like, <laughs> get back in, McClellan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then it was like he turned it over like three more times. He's like, damn it. I knew I should have put him in. It's like, you know what? I'll just take my losses now. And then you just like go through everybody. And I've had many moments like that as a coach. So, uh, agreed. Yeah, definitely. Agreed. I like that analogy. I've been there that too. Sounds a good analogy. You, see, really good. You, you see a player make a mistake and you're like, all right. And you turn to your bench and then you turn back to the player. Don't ever do that again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, got, I got nothing. Yeah. Um, which, you know, Former players, if you're listening, you know I valued everybody's, you know everybody's contribution, but but yeah, I do think there's an element of that for sure. All right, I, Mary, I think you're up. Okay, so this is a this is a letter that he wrote to uh, Seward and Chase in December of 1862. Gentlemen, you have respectively tendered me your resignations as Secretary of State and Secretary of the Treasury of the United States. I'm apprised of the circumstances which may render this course personally desirable to each of you. But after most anxious considerations, my deliberate judgment is that the public interest does not admit to it. I therefore have to request that you will resume the duties of your departments respectively. In other words, he's saying, cut the BS that is happening in the cabinet and please do your jobs because there's a civil war going on. And when I read the background of what had happened, um, it was like, Chase was saying stuff about Seward, saying he was like the de facto president. And um, the Republican senators were also becoming angry about the defeat at Fredericksburg. And then it started escalating and Seward started to be blamed because, and someone called him the president de facto. And then Senator James Grimes remarked that Seward ought to be out of the cabinet. And uh, I can't pronounce this guy's name. Finesden? Uh, he made a derogatory remark about Seward and that was linked back to Chase. Um, formed and they met with Lincoln to discuss what was supposed to be military affairs, but then it turned into Seward becoming the target. Seward tenders his resignation on December 16th, 1860. And then Lincoln called the cabinet meeting um, without Seward there to discuss what has happened. And uh, Chase becomes quite uncomfortable, especially when Lincoln says, well, we're going to meet with these like nine senators and discuss things. And then Chase tenders his resignation. Um, But I think like the letter to me was a mic drop moment because he's basically saying, please cut out what you're doing. I know why you're doing it. There was like, he said he did not say thing going on and Chase was found out for what he said you know, about Seward behind his back and Lincoln valued both of them and he recognized their talents above all this drama that was happening and he wanted to keep him in the cabinet. So it's not only a mic drop moment, but I think it shows just how 
great of like awesome of a person Lincoln was in recognizing those talents and just knowing that he needed to keep those men in his cabinet to keep the government running smoothly. Yeah. And I think this one is a great mic drop moment more than any of the other ones because of its effect. Like the other ones are, you know, show a lot about Lincoln and are fun to kind of chat about. Um, they didn't actually lead directly to any um, progress. However, this one was very much a very pivotal moment in his presidency and his leadership. Um, and Doris Kearns Goodwin's book, Team of Rivals, this is like a central um, part of the book kind of like a plot point if it were a novel like she spends a quite a lot of time on this specific issue the specific incident um and really kind of highlights it as lincoln's political genius at work because basically he's got um a a, a really a crisis in his cabinet of uh, personality of conflict and with this one act really what you've chosen as the mic drop here squashed the entire thing like it really Mm -hmm. i mean the rivalry was still there the there was definitely still they definitely still had you know they were still sore about it um but for for all intents and purposes this really did squash that like he effectively said this is not how we're going to operate we're not going to bicker we're not going to we're not going to get in these squabbles the task before us is too large um and this you know and really a stroke of genius when I think a lot of people thought like, ooh, who's he going to pick? Is he going to pick Seward? Is he going to pick Chase? Yep. Which side is he going to take? And he effectively said, knock it off. <laughs> you know, like in yeah, a way. Yeah, he's like, cut, like, cut, like the, cut the bullshit. Right. Basically. I think all conventional wisdom would have been like, he's either going to pick a side or the other. Or yeah. if he picks neither, it's going to be to let them both go. When, mm-hmm. when really he picked neither and said, you're, you're both staying and we're not, we're not doing this. We're, not, yep. we're just not doing it. Um, and I just think it's such a great um, – such a great piece, uh, such a great example of his leadership because he really just shows his foresight, um, his ability to kind of take a step back and take emotions out of his leadership decisions, um, take mm-hmm. his personal beliefs and his friendships out of it and say like, what's going to be the best course of action here? Um, yep. And then to have the leadership to say, to make them both feel valued, to make them both feel vindicated, but also to say, we're not doing this. And to get yep. them both in the cabinet. And they both... Um, really redefined the roles that they were in. I mean, other than Alexander Hamilton, I don't think you're going to find a secretary of the treasury that had more of an impact on the United States uh, than Salmon Chase. And I don't think you'll find a secretary of state, certainly up to Seward, um, that really had near the impact that he did. And there's not too many afterward. It's much more, I mean, diplomacy is a lot more uh, vital now that there's, intercontinental weapons and trillions of dollars in international trade that really wasn't a thing in the steamboat era. Uh, But up to that point, the secretary of state's role was, um, was um, hugely impacted by Seward. Um, Thomas Jefferson's probably the only one before him that, that really had quite the role that he did. So um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that this was a really pivotal moment in his presidency. And I think the mic drop really is about the effect that it had more than like the biting mm-hmm. nature of the words. So I think it's a yeah. nice contrast to the others that we've selected. All right. Uh, I think is it me? I believe it's my turn. Um, yes. I have one that's very, very similar to the last one I had, but I really 
like it. Um, so, so I'm just going to use it. It's, it's a, it's kind of along the same lines, but again, very much a mic drop. Uh, he said, uh, kind of quoting or kind of mocking, mock quoting, um, some advocates for slavery, but slavery is good for some people as such a good thing. Slavery is strikingly peculiar in this, that it is the only good thing, which no man ever seeks the good of for himself. Nonsense. Wolves devouring lambs, not because it is good for their own greedy maws, but because it is good for the lambs. So basically what, is, what he's saying is this argument is that slavery is actually good for the enslaved um, is absurd. Because it might be, it's the only good thing in the universe that no one wants. Um, mm-hmm. say, basically saying like, oh, actually it's good. You don't realize it, but it's good. Um, but literally no, no person would want it. Um, and basically comparing that to saying that wolves eating lambs somehow benefits the lamb. Uh, yeah. So just such a poignant and biting um, rebuttal to that ridiculous argument in a way that Lincoln, I mean, and this is really very aggressively shooting down that argument. And I definitely think it qualifies as a mic drop in that regard where it's like very much in your face saying like this is ridiculous using pretty simple to follow logic, but really putting it out there in, in comparing um, slavery really to murder, to, to, a, to a wolf eating a lamb. I really like it as a mic drop, mic drop moment. No, it's good. I think it's one of those moments where, you know, when people heard it, they it made them think like, oh, you know, Lincoln, and Lincoln had a way of doing that with people, making them think about something in a way that they maybe hadn't thought of it before. Yeah, it ain't like a clear way that's hard to argue against, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think it really does go along with the first one I chose, where if somebody were like, "Well, you know, I don't know," be like, "All right, fine." Then, do you want to? Would you like to be a slave mm-hmm. if it's so good? If it's somehow raising raising them up in some some crazy way, go ahead and give it a shot. Um, and of course, nobody would ever do that. All right, uh, did any did I, you guys bring any others? I I brought three. I think that was all of mine. Yeah, I mean, I had more, but I just put three on there because I thought, like, in the essence of time. Nick, did you have any I got, I got one more. Okay, go okay. for it. Um, staying with, uh, you know, the animals analogies here. Uh, this is uh, Lincoln Douglas debates. Comes from this. Uh, they remind us that he is a very great man and that the, large of, the largest of us are very small ones. Let this be granted, but a living dog is better than a dead lion judge douglas if not a dead lion for this work is at least a cage and toothless one how could he oppose advances of slavery he didn't care anything about it so you know that's just one of your standard kind of really calls somebody out a little name calling in there yeah. so um i definitely went with the lowbrow ones unlike <laughs> you guys um going with the highbrow ones um <laughs> But, you know, I just kind of like that. I was just like, dang, you know, once again, <laughs> another one of those meme ones where it's just like, where everybody be like, damn. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and it's it's always interesting to look at the Lincoln-Douglas debates because the format was, they were very, very long speeches. I think it was like, yeah. it was like 60, 90, 30 format. One person spoke for 60 minutes, then 90 minutes, then another 30 mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah. For the first, like. Not easy to get a whole lot of mic drops in there or to get in a whole lot of, you know, what we think of as debate or argument. Um, it doesn't really fit. Um, however, Lincoln's f- were full of quite a lot of 
pretty uh, pretty amazing burns. And Douglas really too. Douglas had some in there that were you know, yeah. um, you know, obviously in you know through the historic hindsight we can be like you know oh god what an idiot you know talking badly about Abraham Lincoln who ended up yeah. you know becoming the icon that he is. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's those debates are, are are quite full of some some good uh, some good one-liners for sure. We uh, should recreate the debates as a um, a 2018. Now that's coming into that uh, smack talk session. <laughs> that's what we should do. Always bringing up the wrestling this one. <laughs> so, uh, well, if anybody out there who's listening in Rail Splitter Nation has a Lincoln mic drop that they've thought of, please uh, send those to us on Twitter. Um, uh, just tag us in your tweet with the mic drop from Lincoln. Um, it could even be fun to maybe make some up, kind of, you know, add a little Ooh, bit of 2017 jargon to uh, maybe the fictional yeah. Lincoln mic drops. Uh, those always yeah. are good and kind of fit into our, you know, how much we like our pop culture Lincoln references that could fit in really well. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely do that. We're at Rail Splitter Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, before we get to our This Week in Lincoln, we did want to talk about an idea that we want to do for. 20. Wait, wait, wait. I got one more mic drop here. Okay, of course. Here we go. Get ready, POTUS 13. Nick's coming for you. I was really hoping to find a leak of mic drop on this clown that we know by Billard Fillmore. <laughs> but I couldn't. But I did find an article from the Boston Globe of February of 2017. Uh, and the title of it is, Miller Fillmore was deservedly forgotten, but his politics sound familiar. And that was just the damn title. So <laughs> Jeff Jacoby, by the way, wrote this. And then I go on to read it. And then there's another line. Today, the 13th president is lost in obscurity. Fate has been kinder to him than he deserves. <laughs> that, That's a mic drop. It is a mic drop. Yeah, well, that qualifies as a mic drop. Yeah. Awesome. That does qualify. So, Millard Fillmore, consider yourself having a microphone dropped, I don't know, in your presence. I don't know how it works. Do you get mic dropped on? I don't know. Uh, but anyway, you, had to, you know that was coming. Well, that's a good finishing move. Yeah, the mic drop. Uh, you knew that was coming, the, the Millard Fillmore uh, mic drop. So, now that we've finished all of our mic drops for today uh, we did want to talk to you about an idea that we had for 2018 for the shows coming up we are actually going to um, do kind of a series of episodes um i don't know what we'll call them but it'll basically be like a rail splitter book club where all three of us will read the same book and encourage any listeners who want to to also listen to it and then we'll probably do three episodes about a month apart from each other about each third or so of the book, depending on what book we end up picking. So that way you can kind of play along at home if you want. I think we'll try to structure the episode so you don't have to read. Um, I know a lot of like social norms in book clubs are to not read and pretend that you did or to like try to like read 200 pages the night before. Uh, can we either, get one with cliff notes? <laughs> um, <laughs> no one's, no one's going to put pressure on you to read anything. Uh, even though Nick and I are educators and we do get on kids for doing homework. Um, but um, it might be fun for, for some listeners to kind of follow along as well, and then they can kind of play into the conversation. So we'll try to make it work for both people who are reading with us and people who are not. Um, we have not chosen the book. Uh, we just kind of came up with the idea, but what we'll probably end up doing is like at the end of 
January or maybe the middle of February, we'll do a third of the book. And then, you know, a month later, we'll do the middle third. And a month after that, we'll do the final third. Uh, unless we pick our longer book, we might do it in quarters. Uh, but this is just kind of a new idea that we came up with uh, for a couple episode ideas. So uh, if anybody out there has a book that they think would be good for this or a book that they've wanted to read, and this might be a fun way to do it, um, definitely post something either in our Facebook group, which you can find by just uh, searching Rail Splitter on Facebook, or uh, through Twitter, just kind of tweet at us um, some book ideas. And when we kind of decide the book, we'll tweet it out, we'll mention it on a show, and then we'll tell you plenty of time ahead of time, like, hey, the show that's going to drop on this date, we will talk about the first third of this book, book club number one for the Rail Splitters, uh, and then we'll go through it like that. So um, could be a kind of a fun thing to do. Um, so if you have any book ideas that would work for this, uh, definitely uh, let us know. We're probably trying to lean, lean toward a short-ish work just because um, it'll fit into more people's schedules and that way we, we might be able to get something going on Facebook with multiple people who are reading the book. If it's like a 1500 page book on like one month in 1861, that's very good historical research and we really appreciate the people who do that. This isn't really what we're looking for for the, the book club. So it's probably, you know, we're probably looking for, for more of a quicker read, uh, maybe something a little lighter, maybe not. Um, but we would like to see what you guys, uh, you all out there would like to do. So that's one of our ideas coming up for 2018. We've got a lot more. Uh, so I think 2018 is going to be a great second year, kind of, second year-ish. Once we get to June, it'll be one year um, of the Rail Splitter podcast. So that's just an idea uh, that we would like your feedback on and hopefully your participation in. So that brings us to This Week in Lincoln. And for this week in Lincoln, we've got multiple entries because we are going to share with you all of the fun holiday gifts that were given to us that have something to do with Abraham Lincoln. Nick actually had the biggest haul of us all, so I'm going to turn over to Nick. Nick, what Lincoln-related items did you get for the holidays? I got several. So my brother... Um... He basically kind of took our theme music, which is, or the quote really comes from uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, probably Lincoln's oh, greatest theme song, yeah. Um, and he kind of used that as the foundation for his gifts. So I got kind of like this poster, and it's the Lincoln from Bill and Ted's, and it's got the quote, be excellent to each other and party on dudes. I then got a Lincoln figure figurine i don't know what you call it exactly but um it's lincoln in the package with the keytar not a guitar <laughs> a keytar um which is amazing and then it's kind of like another thing that's definitely going to get framed which is like bill and ted's band uh the, the stallions the wild stallions um, yeah stallions sorry yeah and then lincoln's in that as well then a comic bill and ted and lincoln comic um, so he kind of jumped on that theme, went on eBay. He's uh, Curtis is quite the comic collector and stuff, although his fiance is trying to get rid of that stuff. But I say, stay strong, brother. Um, I got another pair of Lincoln socks that puts me up to four pairs, oh, nice. and I got a pretty cool tie clip actually, um, which is it says Rail Splitter. It's hard to see in the picture I posted, um, but it does say Rail Splitter and got an axe. So 
um, and Lincoln's written on it as well. So um, that's going to require me to wear a tie. Um, I was just going to but... mention that. I was going to mention that uh, <laughs> you will have to wear a tie. So that'll be interesting to see when I, when we see Nick wearing a tie. I'm looking forward to And that. there'll have to be a picture posted of uh, that, too. Agreed. Agreed 100%. <laughs> so he is getting married. Curtis is getting married May 5th. So um, I did have to get a tux. I don't know if there's a tie included with that. So it could be then. Could Nick, be then. Generally, tuxes have ties included. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, I was lucky enough from uh, my mother-in-law got me a coffee mug here. I'm showing it to us in the group chat that says, I miss Abe. Uh, and then it has the uh, Abraham Lincoln Library and Museum logo on the other side. Um, so she was able to use great-grandma Phyllis's uh, Springfield residency. She Great-grandma ran over to the museum and picked up. The I Miss Abe um, coffee mug or hot cocoa mug, whatever you want to call it, with the library logo on the other side. So uh, that was my Lincoln item uh, from the holidays that I got. Um, but I did get some, and I tweeted this out. Um, if you're looking for Lincoln stuff, shopping local helps. Uh, I was in our local record store, and I saw a bunch of Lincoln stuff, and I tweeted uh or I think I Instagrammed and tweeted a, um, some photos. They had a scarf. They have these uh, candles. You know how they have, like, candles for saints? But these are called secular saints. Mm -hmm. uh, they have an Abraham Lincoln candle uh, like that and a couple magnets and stuff. So, And they also have some Lincoln socks. So um, I may use some of my gift card money um, for the local record shop to pick up some more Lincoln items. Um, and I did get some awesome Lincoln stuff that we mentioned in the show for my last birthday uh, from my mom, which was awesome, too. So, um, but yeah, I'm very happy with my I Miss Abe coffee mug. That's really awesome. I've seen like people with shirts on that say that. And I, if they have that, when I go to the Presidential Library and Museum, I think I am going to get something with that on it. Yeah, I agree. Although, you know, it's one of those things where he's so much among us. You know, it's hard to miss him. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but I do kind of like the sentiment of it. So, And I will definitely yeah. drink some uh, coffee out of it many mornings. Uh, and Mary, I noticed when you uh, tweeted your holiday message to your followers, you had on uh, some Lincoln stuff. Yeah, yeah. I that This was actually my Christmas present to myself. <laughs> was the um, the I bought it from Redbubble, which is a really cool T-shirt site, which I mentioned um I can't remember how many shows ago it was that I mentioned it, but I've got really cool shirts on there. And I wanted a shirt with General Sherman on it. And then I came across this one, which the Peacemakers is one of my favorite paintings. And I'm sure many of our listeners have seen it before, but it's um, a painting from inside a boat when uh, Sherman, Grant, Lincoln, and uh, Porter all, all met and, in 1865. And it's I got it on a shirt and I've actually worn it a few times to work and a few people have said like oh that's a beautiful painting on your shirt what is it and, I've had to explain it. and then they're like why are you into Lincoln and to go and explain that as well um but anyway I was trying to come up with something to wear on Christmas day so I decided to wear that because it was so close to the anniversary of Sherman capturing Savannah that I just thought that's what I'm going to wear on Christmas day. And um, like nobody, a few people looked at me when I was at this one restaurant we were at, but you know, um, but yeah, I'm just happy to have it on a shirt and 
like like I said, Redbubble is a really cool place to to get stuff from for for that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I thought it was very cool that you kind of wished people a happy holidays, and then also yeah, kind of said it was also from the peacemakers. So yeah, very, yes, yeah. very cool. So. Um, well, um, today is December 28th. So, um, the next time we, the next time you all hear from us, it will be 2018. So I hope everybody has a happy and safe new year. Um, and we have a lot of great ideas coming for 2018. So definitely, um, tweet at us, follow us on Instagram at RailsplitterPod. Um, and then um, I know Nick likes to ask for this, but I'll do it this time. Please give us a rating or a review on iTunes. That definitely uh, helps us um, gain listeners, and that's really what it's all about. Um, I don't think we have any new reviews. Um, however, we did get another rating, so whoever that was, thank you for that. We're up to 22 ratings, so hopefully we'll get to 25 soon. Um, so anyway, uh, any parting thoughts, Mary or Nick? Uh, that oh, sorry, Nick. Go ahead. Uh, don't forget the mic drop. You know, mic drop for Lincoln. You can mic drop us. You know, but, um, I'm sure uh, Jeremy did something to mic drop. So um, it's gonna be hard to mic drop me. Just remember, I'll I'll come back at you. <laughs> yeah, definitely tweet at us some mic drops. <laughs> yeah, that was a really awesome episode. So he just said, definitely tweet us your, your link and mic drops and maybe we can get a discussion going on Twitter and the Facebook page too, which if you haven't liked our Facebook page, please do so. There's always lots of awesome discussion going on over there. We have quite a few active members on it. Yeah, and if you ask and to join the Facebook group, I, I try to reply to those um, as fast as I can. Uh, and we actually got another follower in the Facebook group while we were recording this evening. So that was pretty cool. Dang. Who is it? Uh, I think his name was Jeff. I don't know. I'm, it's not pulled up on my phone right now. And I don't know if he's cool with us saying his name in the show. So we'll just uh, say Jeff Fair enough. Now. Fair enough. <laughs> so. um, hey, Mike Drop Fillmore. He'll respond to you on Twitter. So Again with the Fillmore. <laughs> All right. Um, so once again, have a happy and safe New Year. Thank you so much. We really have enjoyed um, uh, this um, podcast and uh, one of the one of the most meaningful messages I got over the holidays among many uh, were that was that this gift this this podcast was was one of the the best gifts of 2017 and I feel like it's kind of a gift to myself too I feel really blessed to be part of this group and this community of listeners that have kind of formed around it so um, I want to thank everyone for listening and thank my team the fellow rail splitters here um, and we're really looking forward to a 2018 of a lot of Lincoln related stuff to share with you and to talk about like the book club, many other things, the mic drops, you're going to tweet at us, all that kind of stuff. Um, so we'll definitely be back next week and we're looking forward to it, but until then keep walking the world with malice toward none and with charity for all. And we'll see you next week.